comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Everybody and welcome to the Walking Dead TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, joined this week by Aaron Newirth, Richard Sheldon, and Jim Dietz. How you guys doing? Great. Getting ready to take my neighbor a casserole. Hey, <laughs> hey, I want that dish clean when you give it back. And don't drop it on the floor either. That's right, sunshine. <laughs> so this week we've got the, the season five finale of The Walking Dead to talk about, as well as some news before we get into that. So let's start out with uh, you, Aaron. You wrote up an article on The Walking Dead spinoff, which we now have a name and a teaser trailer for. So why don't you let it, the listeners in on the behind the scenes for that one? Yeah, it definitely uh, took me a lot longer than 11 seconds to write a whole article recapping the trailer. But man, I put my my uh, my work into it. Yeah. So uh, last night during the season finale episode of The Walking Dead Conquer, we got the first footage, I guess, if you want to call it that, of Fear the Walking Dead, which was also recently titled. Uh, so now we have that to work with as far as spinoff goes. Um, but the teaser basically just sets up what we've described in what we've un- come to understand where it's going to be set, when it's going to be set, which is L.A. and near the time of the outbreak to begin with. Um, and we really just see kind of disparate shots of L.A. with a radio broadcast announcing that there's some kind of fever going on, so be careful out there. Like, it's um, pretty straightforward stuff, but uh, I, I get... And then I we mean, get, like, a shot of a tunnel with a zombie coming towards yeah. the camera. And that's yeah, we get it. some... Yeah, it's like a slow version of the end of 28 weeks later. There's a reference <laughs> I went for. Um, <laughs> we, we, we talked a little bit about this off the air and on, like, the Facebook group and stuff, but I'm pretty sure none of us are happy with the title Fear the Walking Dead, right? That strikes all of us as pretty lame. It, it feels like something like someone wrote on the board and then they drew lines from to come up with better ideas and they never got past that. Mm-hmm. Here's my take on it. Okay, so The Walking Dead in the comic and in the show, The Walking Dead technically refers to the living, you know, the characters. So instead of Fear the Walking Dead, why not The Walking Dead colon Fear the Living? That would, if they wanted to use the fear, that I think would have made more sense. Yeah, I mean something of that nature. I mean, I think the Walking Dead Cole and something was something we were all expecting to begin with, and uh, you know, good on Rob Kirkman and everybody else who was like, "We'll give them something they don't expect." But I mean, that was it's pretty lame. Fear <laughs> the Walking Dead. Not the- and I wouldn't say I'm unhappy. I'm just you know, as long as the show has quality, they could call it whatever they want it's yeah just, i mean if, yeah. if i'm watching shows like blackish and fresh off the boat which i don't think are the most elaborately titled shows right now and enjoying them it's not the title that's going to throw me off it's just still like it's kind of like my here are my top three rejected titles <laughs> number three uh walking dead nights you know like baywatch nights 
Mm -hmm. A little kookier, a little crazier. Number two, uh, Walking Dead L.A., you know, just like CSI. And then my number one choice was uh, California Zombification. Which would be wonderful. Which would be awesome. And I still think if they want to go with fear, go with the fear and loathing in The Walking Dead or the fear and loathing in Los Angeles. I I liked Laverne and and Zombie or The Walkersons, two lesser-known spinoff shows that no one remembers were spinoffs in the first place. But they were. (laughs) Zoda. That's a Rhoda joke. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, Freaks I mean, and we, geeks and geeks. <laughs> yeah, the, the show Fear the Walking Dead, I mean, we're, we're going to have to live with that. But, I mean, it's a teaser. There's not much to go on, but it, it's fine. It just kind of indicates that it's coming, I guess. So after you know years of waiting for delivery on the idea of like hey the walking is going to get a spinoff we have we know you know we know it's coming this summer so it's just didn't really learn anything that we haven't already read online yeah well i mean you know not everybody follows every little morsel of news like we do you know there are a lot of people who just watch the walking dead and you know that's they give it an hour a week and that's it and for them you know see this teaser trailer it places it in a very definite time, part of the timeline at the beginning of the outbreak. It shows them it's in a different uh, place in Los Angeles, but it's the same Walking Dead brand. And I think that's really, those are the main, you know, selling points they wanted to get across. So, you know, Such irresponsible them. television watching. You should be keeping yourself informed. <laughs> and we should say now that we will, of course, be here throughout the summer when the show premieres. That was one odd thing that we didn't get a specific premiere date, but whatever. When the show premieres, we will be right back here uh, on this podcast feed talking about Fear the Walking Dead. So fear not, listeners, except I, The Walking Dead. When would it be? I, guess? I mean, it's like Mad Men will end, like, beginning of June, I guess, right? Well, Mad Men's only got, what, eight, eight episodes? Eight episodes? So, yeah, beginning of June. Like April, probably. And May. That's yeah. I'm thinking June or July. Yeah. So the show would have, yeah, just have to probably. St- I mean, it, it 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 would either want to cash in on Comic Con in some way and like premiere like after Comic Con. That's a possibility because Comic Con's early this year. It's like the beginning of July. It's like the second oh, really? week or something. So I, if if anything, it'd be like mid July, and then you'd have like a big lead up based off that. You know, watch the premiere trailer or something. Something of that nature. I that that's you know giant speculation, but. Or, you know, just have a panel at Comic-Con that, you know, incorporates both The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead or have two separate panels or something. God, that's going to be a big line right there, I can tell right now. (laughs) (laughs) And remind me, how many episodes is season one going to be? How many episodes of Fear the Walking Dead they're going to be? That is a good question. I believe it is six, just like the first season of The Walking Dead. I am. That sounds right. Yes. And yeah. And then there's already a second season ordered, which will premiere sometime in 2016. Right. Um, The line is already forming around Hall H. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll be talking about Fear the Walking Dead, and, you know, that gives us, you know, the best excuse possible to provide episodes to between the break of this season and next season of The Walking Dead. So there you go. FTWDTV. <laughs> Alrighty, our next bit of news is uh, the ratings for this week's episode. Uh, Rich, I believe you have that uh, information up on your screen. So why don't you let yes. the listeners and us know, how did The Walking Dead do for its season finale? Well, it actually was the highest rated finale in the show's five-year history. Of course. It <laughs> delivered 15.8 million viewers, of which 10.4 were adults 18 to 49. So far in the fifth season, they've been averaging somewhere around 14.5 million viewers per episode, with 9.4 million adults 18 to 49. Uh, so it definitely blew those numbers out of the water. Uh, Talking Dead itself 
had the highest ratings it had. I, I'm referring to it as the Norman Reedus and Carol factor. Um, but uh, 7.5 million viewers and almost 5 million of those were 18 to 49. So um, very good night for The Walking and Talking Dead and the AMC Network. Do we think Fear the Walking Dead will have Fear the Talking Dead following it? I was wondering, and I thought that he would have announced it, I would think, but maybe they haven't really come to that It felt like he was skirting around the issue, like he wanted to say something but couldn't or doesn't know for sure yet, when he was saying, like, we'll see you back in the the summer, or in the fall, if not sooner, or something like that. Uh, Um, Yeah, but I'll be honest with you, I kind of don't want a talking one after just each of the six episodes, because... It was kind of cool that we had the first of of the Walking Dead proper. We had those six episodes. The viewership got to uh, invest emotionally into the characters. And then season two started with the Talking Dead after show where, you know, it basically was, as he refers to it, therapy for what we just watched. (laughs) I I don't think it I, I, I don't. I don't watch The Talking Dead that much. Like sometimes I'll catch it if I, you know, happen to, just because I'm already writing away myself, so I don't have time to like watch another thing and then stay awake. Um, but I mean, I, I I see no problem with having a talking <laughs> fear of the Talking Dead after a fear of the Walking Dead episode if you want to watch it. And I mean, it's just free money for AMC. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do do it for them to do like a half an hour format. Like, wasn't the first season of Talking Dead half hour? Yeah, yeah, you said you said doo doo. Um, uh, yeah. I, was, I, I wouldn't be surprised for them to do a different format for the first season, maybe more behind the scenes stuff, um, half an hour, something like that. Because I, I kind of agree with Rich, you need kind of that backbone of the show and some investment in the characters before something like Talking Dead can really pay off. Um, and so they they might want to play around with that if they do it at all for the first season. And I would I, be uh, fine for having one after that, but. I really don't want a huge trend started of all these TV shows having talk shows afterwards. Yeah, but at you the know, same time, I mean, I, mean, I it's enjoyed been going, Chris it's been going on for It's been going on for a couple years at this point in terms of having an after show, and not many other shows have really, no real other show has adopted it beyond some that have tried and not been successful. Before. Well, I'll, I'll say that Sons of Anarchy tried, and the guy they got to host was just, it. yeah, it drove me nuts. It yeah, but it, and it didn't go anywhere. I think Falling Skies tried one, too, with Will Wheaton. I believe, and uh, that didn't go anywhere. I mean, no one really, no one really cares about these except for Walking Dead. So I mean, I think it's I, a I Chris Hardwick thing because he had a successful after talk show for of Doctor Who for a while, and he did Breaking Bad for the last season. I mean, they, yeah. they, I, I do, I agree with you. I do think it's Hardwick, and I don't think by having him do another talking after after show talk episode for Fear the Walking, I don't think that's going to take away from anything or start a trend because the trend hasn't really caught on anywhere else. So. Yeah, maybe that can get Matt Myra to do one. We'll yeah, <laughs> talking turn. <laughs> Are we ready to talk Walking Dead, gentlemen? No, I got one more. High, <laughs> high summer moon. That's the after show for the second season of Low Winter Sun that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I hope not. That show was terrible. Well, he's busy. Well, Lenny James is busy now for some reason. I don't know. We'll yeah. get to it, I guess. Talk and catch fire. Talking, <laughs> talk and catch fire. Oh no. <laughs> I would watch that one. I do like that show. That's that's so that's so up Nerdist Alley, a, t- a show about Halt and Catch Fire, where they talk about the nerdy things that go on in Halt and Catch Fire. <laughs> exactly. Did you see that Apple IIe? That was vintage, dude. There you go. <laughs> 
Alrighty, so, of course, Season 5, Episode 16 was entitled Conquer. It was directed by Greg Nicotero and written by Scott Gimple and Seth Hoffman. And it was a 90-minute episode, only the third in the show's history. And we had a ton of guest actors. Tova Felchu as Deanna Monroe. Lenny James returning as Morgan Jones, which is very exciting. Alexandra Breckenridge as Jesse Anderson. Ross Marquand as Aaron. Austin Nichols as Spencer Monroe. Steve Coulter as Reg Monroe. Benedict Samuel as Man. We'll get to him soon. Uh, Jason Douglas as Tobin. Jesse Boyd as Other Man. We'll also get to him soon. Corey Brill as Pete Anderson. Jason Alexander Davis as the illustrious Red Poncho Man. Ted Huckabee as Bruce. Dahlia Legault as Francine. Mandy Christine Kerr as Mother Number One. Tiffany Morgan as Aaron. Jordan Woods Robinson as Eric. David Marshall Silverman as Kent. Michael Traynor as Nicholas. And not featured in this episode, Major Dodson. I was going to say, it was such a crime that they left him out of the finale. <laughs> he could have been at the town meeting, like, Jesse could have been holding him, or, like, clutching him close. To, to see his father murder somebody? Oh, that'd be that'd be so off-key for The Walking Dead to show a, a parent being killed in front of their child. That or would be something child. wild. <laughs> that'd be awesome, because then he starts crying, and Carol hands him a cookie. <laughs> Three-time child killer Rick would never do something like that. <laughs> So the episode begins with a return look to Morgan. Very excited to see him. Uh, He's been sleeping in a car out in the woods, and he wakes up, looks at the rabbit foot he has hanging from the rearview mirror, and then uh, he gets up and brews a cup of coffee at his camp. Um, And it's all kind of done very silently. It's nice, peaceful music playing for a a majority of the scene. And uh, he's just about getting comfortable and about to take a sip when out of the woods comes Man, played by Benedict Samuel. I will be referring to him as Del for the rest of the episode and his buddy as Arno um, for reasons that close uh, watchers will will know. Uh, This guy has a W either carved on his forehead or marked on his forehead with ink. You're saying carve? It was carved. Okay. It was a scar that was left. I was watching it. Twice. Oh, okay. I was looking at it. I was like, "This is a yeah." They make they did like a makeup to make it a scar. Yeah. Well, he's got a gun and he holds Morgan at gunpoint. Sits down, starts talking to him. Um, it's pretty quickly uh, revealed that he is one of the wolves or whatever we're going to be calling this group. Um, the, the W notwithstanding, but he starts talking about wolves and how um, the first settlers in this area, when they got here, they started putting bounties on the heads of wolves. They got the natives to help them, and pretty soon they had wiped all the wolves out. And then he also talks later about how the natives of the area thought that man had descended from the wolves and how now everything's kind of turning back in on itself and becoming secular as we return to a wolf state. And uh, and Morgan makes a comment about uh, everything being cyclical and the guy starts kind of talking with him jovially, but it's pretty clear that this is not a peaceful meeting. He well, I mean, more at him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was holding him at gunpoint, first of all. And second of all, I mean, he he has that great ironic line reading of everything gets a return. I mean, talking mm-hmm. about Morgan coming back, of course, and talking about the wolves. So mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of kind of nice. A, a few things because I know there's more of this. This cold open is amazing. You didn't ask us what we thought of the season finale in general, by the way. Oh, that's uh, true. Hey, uh, I'm mixing things up, wild man. Whoa, easy. Um, you, should we get past this cold open then? Do that. Uh sure, if you'd okay. like. All right. Um. A few before, I mean, there's two, there's so many factors of this cold open that make it amazing. But before we get to like the other part of it, that's awesome. Just this whole setup here. For one thing, 
Yes, it's a W. Can we can we can we just stick with that now that it's a, it's not an M, it's a W. Are we good? Are we good with that at this point? Yeah, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> never had a problem with it in the first place. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and they're wolves. I mean, there's nothing that says they're not wolves. I mean, they're, they're, that's their name. Okay. Well, uh, my, my only my only reason for saying that I don't know if they consider them the wolves is I was kind of saying that if they're collecting the people and the zombies, those are the wolves. So I don't know if they consider themselves. The natives, or whatever they would call themselves, they seem to consider everyone else wolves. Well, well they carve themselves a W in their forehead. I mean, what, what are they yeah. I, I agree. It's well, a little and, bit. And he off. was saying that it returns, that it's secular, that it, um, that they're basically the wolves returned. I mean, they were pretty much very well invested in that they were the wolves, that, minus the, calling themselves Romulus and Remus. I mean, <laughs> Backstreet's back. All right, so let's. Um, all right. <laughs> um, what with like the start with Morgan, I thought was wonderful, and I and I kind of thought to myself, what if they just came out and shot him right now? Like someone just jumped him and got got the upper hand, and that was just the end of Morgan. And sure enough, a wolf comes out with a gun. Blade. I'm like, oh no, that's not gonna happen, is it? Like I hope it didn't just spell doom for Morgan. Of course, that's <laughs> not gonna happen because you wouldn't set that up and you know not pay it off in any way satisfying whatsoever. But it's such a great just conversation the two have between each other, and just the. The way everyone, the way the two of them are delivering these lines, and then there's just that really creepy shot, or that creepy the line of um, of of uh, of man uh, Del. saying Dell, yeah, saying you know put that down. I I want to I want all of you every last drop. It's just like it's such a the the way that's performed is so just creepy without being like overly Im- intimidating. It's just like it's this kind of subtly played. He's so nonchalant about the whole yes, thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to take all your stuff, and and Morgan's like, well, can I? Can you at least leave me like a day's worth? He's like, oh no, 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 you're coming with me too, and you're not exactly going to be alive. Like, you don't need to worry about any of that. Don't worry, you're going to be dead. You're just going to come with me. It's all going to be fine. It's it's similar to like Gareth and how matter of fact everything was in Terminus in terms of business as usual type procedures. Right. Except this guy's way more manic. Like, there's oh, yeah. clearly something. I mean, obviously something very wrong with this guy, but there's clearly something wrong with him besides what he's doing. There's something very off inside of his head as well. I and mean, I thought yeah, that was very well acted. It, it's not like eating people, which is, you know, comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even by the end of this episode, I have no idea what these guys are doing. It's terrifying. I don't know what right. it is. What's, what is their end goal? You know, aside from killing everyone. Right before Morgan breaks out the staff and uh, the guy jumps, uh, tries to jump or whatever. The way he like tells he he delivers that one line, and, and I agree with Aaron. It's good acting on both sides here. Good, well played scene. He has that one line. He just says, "Just be still," and he almost says it the way you know you'd say it to a child who was like annoying you or something. You know, uh, it was just a great delivery. Really, really great yeah. opening scene. Little did they know they were messing with Darth Morgan. <laughs> So, uh, as you guys said, he's telling him to be still, uh, and when Morgan hears from behind him some wrestling in the woods, and he jumps out of the way right as another one of the wolves, this would be Arno, jumps out at him, and uh, Morgan grabs his staff, he starts knocking both guys around, uh, Darth Maul style, kind of like a bow staff, and it's a nice staff, by the way, with a cool, like, twisting uh, cut throughout the uh, the handle, the hilt, whatever you want to call it, and he keeps basically knocking them down and telling them, you can just leave, you, you don't have to do this, and they keep coming at him, and he keeps knocking them down again and telling them to leave, stop, and just go away, and he won't hurt them. They don't listen, so finally he knocks them out, a zombie comes out of the woods, he picks up the gun that the guy dropped, tries to kill the zombie, turns out, these guys didn't even have any bullets. Um, he kills the zombie with his staff, 
He puts the two guys uh, still alive in the car that he had been sleeping in. Uh, he honks the horn to see if there's any zombies around. He takes the uh, rabbit's foot off of the rearview mirror, and we cut to our opening credits. Now, the Darth Maul thing, that's like a fun, yeah, he's supposed to have everything. But at the same time, I was also thinking, the way he was performing these moves, he al- he was reminding me of like Denzel Washington in the Book of Eli. Oh, 100%. And mainly because the way he was kind of, he was acknowledging they were around him with eye contact, but at the same time, there was half a second where I was like, wait, is he blind now? Just by the I way he was that, I think I it. said the same thing out right? loud. Right? Was I was so thinking weird. that too. It, like just he was looking at the ground and the way he was positioning himself, it just seemed like is he blind? Like is he that, seemed is that more blind than Denzel did in the movie where he was supposed to be blind. Sorry, yeah. Jerry, but in a cool way. I don't know. That doesn't really make sense. But he seemed very zen about the whole thing. It was cool. Oh, this yeah. is a, this is a new Morgan. Yeah, whatever. this is Morgan like we've seen him before. If they don't explain and go back with flashbacks what happened between Clear and now with Morgan, at least give us some webisodes or something because there's definitely a good story there and they alluded to that in talking dead and basically said we will get an answer just not now i i mean i think it i mean i i wouldn't be surprised necessarily if we got some kind of flashback but i think lenny james is a good enough actor where you could just have him kind of speak and we'd be confined with whatever he answer he comes up with true but it'd be cool to see it too by the way i mean we'll get we'll we'll get more uh, lenny j more morgan but I mean, the amount of time he has in this episode, let alone on this series in general, I appreciate so much, and it's a shame that I can't say the same about certain other characters that we've seen throughout, you know, this entire season, or half of the season, or what have you, that we should be caring more about, but don't necessarily. Father Gabriel has had more than double Morgan's screen time in this series so far, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Just wrap your head around that. Sasha has more than quadruple. (laughs) But at least Sasha isn't, isn't Father Gabriel fair (laughs) (laughs) i mean no one really is except for father gabriel but anyway so at mr newer's request gentlemen what did you think of this episode in general before we get into the actual body of the episode (laughs) i said this on facebook but i think you'd have to be a real brad milo not to like this episode (laughs) (laughs) funny enough i (laughs) we love you brad i think i do yeah i respect brad's opinions i like having fun with him i wish he was on this podcast actually but um I I thought this was one of the maybe the best finale of a of this of a season of The Walking Dead I've seen. I think it was very satisfying for a number of reasons. I love that it doesn't rely on shocking deaths to make it something more. I I I just I like the way it tries to wrap up various arcs and set up new things for the future. And I I was just beyond even with Father Gabriel and Sasha, who I've been very adamant to been complaining about in the past few episodes. I've just been very just seeing the way it all came together i was mo- i was mostly very satisfied with and i've given that i've had issues with the previous season finales i think a was pretty good last year that was that was it had that some- was a really solid one yeah i'd say that one. would take the the cake for the my favorite of the season finales but mm-hmm. this one's up there that way i mean because i had problems with the third season finale where everyone's like coming back from woodbury and then like the barn burning down that was a fun one i guess and then there's like that explosion in the first season. so i mean this season i, I just really enjoyed that i was it was the first uh walking dead season finale where i actually like was like yeah all right let's see where this goes next like that was actually my reaction out loud with my friends while we were watching it and i think a large part of that was the 90 minutes it had a lot of room to breathe yeah, and it, it, i think they used it very well it felt like a satisfying character driven episode the, the way i would describe it was you know i agree with you about the, the character driven but 
the whole episode, yes, none of our major characters died. Not even really that many minor characters died. A couple did. But I had this feeling of dread in the pit of my stomach for the whole episode. Mm -hmm. You know, beginning to end where there were points where I thought major characters were going to die. I legitimately thought, hey, this is the show. Kill him off X character or Y character, Z character. And they didn't. But that doesn't negate the fact that they made me think they were going to. And I had that sense of dread the whole time. And I can't really ask for anything more. You know, it's, it's, that's the feeling I'm looking for from a character death. If I can get that without the character death, hey, uh, cake and eat it too, you know? And to an extent, it replaces that dread with a sense of hope because there's a lot of hope in this episode beyond mm-hmm. how, how, you know, troubling the end of the episode might be. The other characters that we follow, there's a lot of quote-unquote good things that happen to most of them. Rich and Jim, what do you think? Well, I, I think that this is my favorite season finale out of the five seasons it didn't quite have the CDC explosion that season one had, but you know, everything else was awesome. There was definitely, wait, wait, are you counting the CDC explosion as a good thing in the show? I think he means in terms of like a big kind of major event to take place. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm not saying it was a good thing. It just was an impressive, you know, bit of television. I kind of measure it, measure the season finales and the mid season finales on how many times, you know, I'm like, Oh you know, it just like what, and there were a lot of either like Aaron said, oh yeah, let's see what's happening next, or just those oh my god moments. I mean, Morgan showing up in the cold opening, fantastic. Um, the Daryl and Aaron stuck in that car. You know, I mean, I was pretty certain that they weren't ready to kill off Daryl, but I kind of thought that they might have been leading to it the last few or this last half of the season but you know luckily they got out of that but again with morgan showing up that gave me another one of those yeah yes we'll get there Um, (laughs) you know uh the carol even though we saw it in the talking dead preview last week the carol with the casserole thing i mean I, i i i stopped rewound that scene just to watch it a second time right in the middle of the episode because i'll just if you weren't in love with the character of Carol before you should be after that, because that was just genius. The way that she delivered that. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, the, uh, was his name? Reg. Was that Diana's husband's name? Yes. Reg. Yeah. When he gets his, his demise, that kind of threw me for a loop. Um, and it was like, wow. And then, you know, what, happens right after that it was like whoa so i mean every it was like they they just had a beat every five to ten minutes of just something that either made you scream out in joy or you know hold your breath and to me that just fantastic uh one of the best episodes of the series and definitely in my opinion the best season finale i liked it a lot i uh, i have to give a lot of credit to greg nicotero for the direction of this episode especially the way he was able to intercut from storyline to storyline and like um you know different high points and different plot points that kind of lined up in the sequence of the way he told the story which we'll get to later um i, I you know morgan is always a good thing in my book I, I really, I really like the way this played out. There were a lot of like for me when I was watching it, noticing a lot of callbacks to past episodes. Like the, you know, the town meeting was almost like a callback to the end of episode two, where they had that like meeting where Rick establishes the Rick Tatorship. You know, um, there were a lot of like little things that called back to other parts of the the um, 
you know, the show, uh, you know, Maggie talking about Herschel, you know, it kind of really brought a lot of, uh, of things together and reminded us of a lot of things that we've seen in the show so far. And, uh, the action was top notch, right? I thought the acting was really good all across the board. Sometimes the acting kind of, uh, um, oversells, uh, what can be spotty dialogue at times, but I didn't think we had that in this episode. I thought it was really tight, well-written, well-directed, well-acted. And I, I thought one of the best, uh, season finales we've had. Right on. So shall we proceed to the body of the episode? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So in Alexandria, Rick wakes up and uh, after he'd been knocked out by Michonne at the end of last episode, and he's informed that uh, Pete Anderson has been separated from Jesse and that Deanna is planning to hold a town forum that night to decide whether Rick should be exiled from the town for his actions. Um, Rick decides he's going to attend the the forum to defend himself, but he also makes a backup plan with the rest of uh, his team uh, to seize control of the town in case things get out of hand. And uh, it's interestingly enough, Carol even feigns uh, ignorance to Michonne and everyone else there. Like she plays it off as why'd you steal the gun, Rick? And still playing the long con, even with the, with the crew there. And I really like that. I did. I gotta say Melissa McBride is like the secret weapon of this show. I mean, a lot of the focus is on Rick and on Glenn and on you know some of the other characters. I mean, even some of the newer characters. But Melissa McBride has like been the the like rock uh, of acting in this show, going all the way back to the first season and you know on on through now. I mean, I mean, look at how how big of a, a role and how how cool like her moments are in this and and what her character you know accomplishes and, and brings across that comes you know out of the history of her character. I mean, it all makes total sense where Carol is in this, you know, headspace. And I just, I thought her performance, uh, Melissa McBride's performance was just great in this episode. She, she has one of the best lines, probably is the, actually, she and Morgan tie with best lines of this episode, but she has one where, um, Michonne asks her why she's telling story, why she's telling stories. And, and, uh, her answer is these people are children and children like stories. It's just the greatest, like, badass line she could have awesome. delivered. I loved it so and, much. And a line I applaud just in general. Yes. And that, that I, I feel like a jerk for saying this, but in many aspects of my life, I live it that way. Some people just need to be told a story because that's going to be better for them. Yeah. So, <laughs> good for you, Carol. I got to say, too, is uh, I haven't really looked much into Melissa McBride until last night. I was like, man... She is so good. What has she really done before? And looking up her IMDb, she's really not had a whole lot of a resume and just small roles here and there. And man, just a waste of talent to this point. But I'm so glad that we're getting it now because she's amazing. And I'm definitely a Melissa McBride fan for life. I'd love to see her to get a you know second act of her life as a Liam Neeson esque character who gets kind of the Taken style movies and uh, you know gets to do that kind of thing. I, I think she could pull it off. That's fun to a point, but at the same time, be like, well, this is kind of silly. I mean, you, you know her from this. It's it it's that it wouldn't be surprising, I guess, if you if you saw her. In that I don't mean just legit, just you know specifically those types of movies. But she's shown shown such a range on this show, mm-hmm. um, even just particularly the second half of the season. I, I think of Liam Neeson as that kind of that second win, second act actor who has, you know, really changed his trajectory in the last few years. I think she could do the same thing, not necessarily just with Taken style movies, okay. but she could definitely do that as Fair well enough. as just lots of roles in general. Give Fair us enough. a remake of Mr. and Mrs. Smith with John Hamm and her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen the original one, but I would watch that. So 
Getting back to the episode. Um, Do we have to? No. Yeah. Um, Rick, um, are you guys cool if, like, like at this point in the episode, cool if, like, what Rick's... Like, Rick wakes up from his, you know, his his crazy stupor, and even after he's, like, awake and, like, he's talking to Michonne and everybody about things, his kind of... His, his next is, like, his decision now is to, like, well, <laughs> after the town meeting tonight, if things aren't going our way, we're just going to take them and threaten to slit their throats. And, I'm like, and it's a very like, specific plan. Yes. You, you're going to grab this person. You're going to grab these two people. I'm going to grab these two people. Like, he's got it worked out. And I got, like, the I have the Michonne look in my eye at Rick. At this. I was like, okay, Rick, I mean... You've, you you calm down kind of, but you're still this this is some wild stuff you're saying here. I mean, it's not like these are people that are doing harm. These are just people that are you know children. <laughs> it's like it's like do we this is hardcore stuff. I'm not sure I, I was all completely with it. I was surprised they didn't have him restrained to the bed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, because it wasn't just you know a crazy rant. It was you know definitely. <laughs> Crank to an 11, psychotic, you know, slinging a gun at everybody. I mean, to me, you know. Yeah, the, the punishment rules in Alexandria. The punishment rule <laughs> in Alexandria are pretty lax, it seems. It's like, we'll just, you know, put them in a house that's not locked. and Yeah, basically, you get your own house. That's the only consequence. That's what I saw. You get you get a house, and you get a house, and you get a house. To, to answer your original question, Aaron, am I cool with it? I mean, I don't agree with his plan, but at the same time, I do think that that is the plan Rick would have. Yeah, I, uh, I, I see where he's coming from. I don't, like, inter- it's not betraying the character. I'm not saying that. It's just, like, I certainly have a certain stance in regards to his methods of madness at this point, and it's not, it's not in favor of him. I, I think that it's kind of a precursor, you know, for the speech at the end we're seeing him still kind of with a few marbles rattling around at this point and he's kind of you know he still has that mindset of i we're just gonna have to take it whereas you know at the end he's got that speech where we'll we'll get to it but i i i think that it kind of bookended the rick storyline in this episode I agree, and yeah, again, I'm asking specific to this scene, and I can the understanding I have of him later on makes it. it I can I'm behind that a lot more than I am with him here, I guess. But to answer your question, yeah, I wasn't cool with his thought process in this. It was plan. like the it was the most devastating contingency plan possible. <laughs> but but it, at least if I remember correctly, Michonne came in as the voice of reason of hey, let's you know think this through. Yeah. And he makes it clear, they're only going to threaten to slit their throats. They're oh, yeah. probably not going to do it, probably. But You had to say probably twice. See, that makes <laughs> that gives concern. <laughs> uh, so, meanwhile, Maggie is over with Deanna, and she's trying to talk her out of organizing the forum. Um, she's unsuccessful in, in doing this, but uh, she's determined to t- talk to the rest of the town to sway their opinion. And uh, Reg does come over and speak with Maggie and, and says that he's – I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but he's hes on her side. He's also going to try to talk Deanna down from you know kicking Rick out. Reg talks over and he starts like making some like reference to something and I just kind of sighed. I was like, all right, <laughs> here we go. Here comes a history lesson for Maggie. What's this? Reg, Reg is the epitome of what Rick's point and everybody's point is about the original Alexandriites. You know, you guys are so blinded by the world we're living in and 
you know, you can just tell Reg, he's so resigned to living this almost retirement life in this community. And it's like, come on, you know, it, which in turn ends up getting him killed. But at the same time, you don't dislike the character. Or at least I don't. No, the no, I didn't I really like him. him. I liked him a lot. But my whole thing is, is he, he was the ultimate representation of ignorance of what is really going on in the world. Right. Uh, Rick pays a visit to Jesse, who thanks him for his help, and Rick promises to keep protecting her, as best he can at least. Um, and then later Michonne comes to uh, comes to Rick, and he admits to her that he and Carol both stole the guns from the armory, and he tries to return the gun that Carol had given him, um, her gun that she had. Where I guess this might have been Daryl's gun. There, there's three guns around. Yeah, it was one the third was confiscated. It was the one that Daryl didn't take. Yeah. Right. Uh, which I like that they worked that back in, and it, and it served two purposes. It's not just Daryl showing you Daryl's character development, but it also has this plot reason to exist for later on. That was smart. So he tries to give the gun back to Michonne, or to Michonne, uh, to let to turn it in, basically. And Michonne says that she would not have stopped him, and that she knocked Rick out to protect him at the end of last episode. Him, not Alexandria, was what she was trying to protect. She just thought he needed to get punched right about then, and quite honestly, I'm not going to disagree with her on that. Yeah. Uh, she also tells Rick that she is confident that they can find a way to inf- integrate with Alexandria, but she will still follow him even if they cannot, and she refuses to take the gun that he tries to turn into her. This is why I'm like all oh, team Michonne here. Like she's she's very reasonable about everything. She's like, Definitely. yeah, I'm gonna stick with my family, but at the same time, we have houses. <laughs> like we li- we have houses and power. We don't have that anywhere else. But Aaron, <laughs> if they if they kill everybody, they can have twice the amount of houses. <laughs> I don't think you're understanding this. Double yeah. houses. You're, this isn't yeah, monopoly. I, I, you can have a weekend say, house yeah, was... and a weekday house. <laughs> you get a house next to your garbage. <laughs> and just to what you said a few minutes ago, I'd feel much safer being with a Daryl with the crossbow than I would with the Daryl with the gun. So I'm glad that that gun didn't go with him. Carol goes to pay a visit to Pete with a tuna pasta bake. Uh, this was the scene we saw in Talking Dead last week, although we get a lot more of it here. And as cool as I thought it was in Talking Dead, it's way better in its finished form um, with some of the stuff that happens at the end here. Yeah. Um, she tells him to go check on Tara, who is still wounded and unconscious. And when he refuses, Carol pulls a knife on him and threatens him, saying that she can get away with claiming self-defense because no one's going to believe that I would attack you, but everyone would believe you attacked me. And she tells him, and by the way, when you're done with this uh, pasta bake, this tuna bake, I want my dish back and clean and as when she leaves pete throws the pasta bake on the floor and has a nervous breakdown i was a little disappointed because i was expecting her to just go ahead and put the knife up through his skull i mean because she's right she could have got away with it very easily and it's great it's great to see her like actually threaten a wife beater with a knife like that after all she went through in the first season with her own husband uh-huh. i mean it's just I... kind of this weird kind of uh you know karmic return uh, on, on her investment, I guess. I think the logic of not killing him is that if he killed him, who do you think they'd blame? The, you know, the man that just beat him up in the street. So, I mean, that wouldn't help anybody. Just be more ammunition to get Rick kicked out. Yeah, good point. That's well, it. I mean, she could say, oh, he, he, she could run out into the street screaming and say, he just attacked me, he just attacked me, I didn't have a choice. Uh, yeah, and then, then there's a lot of just logic of, why'd you have that really big knife in your hand to begin with? I mean, to yeah. cut the pasta bake, you have to slice it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's a it, really it's tough a, pasta bake. There's also the pragmatic of, you know, he is the surgeon. Yeah, and <laughs> Tara's is still he unconscious. Is and by the way, Porch Dick's a real Porch Dick in this episode. Like he, it's a, it's it's nice to be angry, but I mean, there is someone that needs medical attention that you could be tending to. You don't have to be a, like a huge Porch Dick about it. But there he was, not doing anything, slamming things down. 
apparently he had alcohol, I guess, even though that's weird that he had access to that. But um, I, I'd imagine he's one of those drunks who just has you know stashes all over town, <laughs> just in like, case. <laughs> like in everybody's house, there's just some bottle that they don't know about that he's got stashed there. Yeah. By the way, has anyone watched that porch dick video that the the actor Corey? Yes. Is yeah. I've got it saved in my queue, but I have not watched it yet. It's it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Abraham visits Tara and talks with Eugene. And uh, Eugene credits Abraham for getting them to Alexandria and apologizes to lying to him about Washington, D.C. And Abraham also apologizes to Eugene. And Eugene says, oh, there's no need for you to apologize. And he goes, I was going to kill you. And he says, well, that is a good point. The, the, the like, that's a good scene. I like these two actors together. They're doing their thing. But the setup to it where Rosita just pushes over the thing to wake him up, that the, the look that Abraham gave was just like, you bitch. Like, that was the perfect like, reaction <laughs> shot that he had. And, and her response to him was yeah, just, just kind of like, meh. <laughs> like, what out are you going to do about it? What a porch bitch. <laughs> Outside the walls, uh, Sasha goes out to bury a group of walkers she had killed, presumably the same walkers she had killed from the tower last week's episode. Yeah. Um, uh, but she's still emotionally unstable, and she kind of slips, uh, kind of slips and, and slides down into the grave, and then eventually she lies among the walker corpses and seems to at least somewhat fall asleep. Which I know a lot of people have problems with this scene. I kind of like the symmetry between it and earlier in the season, where she couldn't sleep in a house, but she can sleep here on a pile of corpses it's a little it's a lot heavy-handed but i kind of like it at the same time yeah i like your point there but also just kind of creepy but not as creepy as melissa mcbride on the talking dead talking about it as she found it peaceful and lovely or whatever she said i'm like okay oh i kind of agree with her i i I get exactly what they're going for it um you know it, it, it makes a lot of sense in its weirdness I um I don't have much to add that doesn't reflect the same opinions I've had on Sasha's character throughout those recent episodes, but I will say that when she lied down and they had that shot of her, I just laughed out loud, because whatever, <laughs> I don't care. The second she started trudging along with the wagon in her hand, I'm like, I get it, and then just it kept going. And I'm hoping by the way her storyline resolves at the end of this episode, that that's kind of putting that section, that storyline to bed. Yeah, given they're um, all like... You know, we'll pr- see. Prayer but, City know. at the end of the episode. Yeah, Prayer Circle. Know. Know. Hopefully they're a little kumbaya moment, you know, buttons all that up for her and for Gabriel's ridiculous storyline. Here's hoping. So Daryl and Aaron uh, are out on the road. Um, they're finding evidence of other people moving around through the forest, and they, they begin to track them. And uh, Aaron tells Daryl how, about how he recruited a group of survivors who were ultimately exiled from Alexandria, um, the, and he had to escort them out without their weapons. These are the three people that Deanna had mentioned exiling earlier in the season. And uh, they see a lone survivor wearing a red poncho, um, who's never given a name, but uh, you can pretty much guess his fate because he's wearing a red poncho. Um, they see him in the middle of the field, and they can see that he has skills. He's you know rubbing himself with wild leeks to keep away mosquitoes. Uh, he's avoiding zombies. He seems to be the type of person that they would like to bring in, um, but they're going to use their microphones and listen in on him before they make a final decision. I, I'd be surprised if the exiled people would not be, you know, turn out to be the wolves. Like, they're just, like, they form their own group as this, and that's where that's going that's my that's my that's my guess on this at this point in terms of like we had people and then they're gone so my only reason for thinking it won't be that is a reason we'll get into towards the end of the episode but the thing that that uh delinarno find if they already knew what the town looked like then why would they need to find that you know what i mean good point i mean it does it it does tell them that's where they were from but if they already know that's there, then they were already a threat without finding that thing that we'll get to. 
I mean, it's the, the focus is really like with like having like seeing pictures of Rick and his son and think. Yeah, I can see where the I can see where it goes either way. At the same time, you know, Governor came back. You know, already knows what's going on there. I mean, there's there's things. I don't know. Just a thought on that, I guess. Oh, oh I and I totally get your logic behind yeah. it. So they lose track of Red Poncho, and uh, they come up to this uh, to this warehousing kind of building with a bunch of uh, food trucks at it. And they decide to scavenge for some supplies. Aaron finds a uh, Alaska license plate, which he's going to add to his collection. And then they go to open up one of the trucks, and there's already they've already seen there were some you know zombies inside the gate because this isn't like a gated uh, off area. There's some zombies there. They kill them, and there are like cans hanging from strings off these trucks. It's very Dawn of the Dead, um, which will come back later. And uh, they when they open up one of the trucks, all the trucks kind of snap open more or less at the same time. They're they're a little bit staggered, and they are just filled with walkers. Some of them freestanding, some of them hung up on hooks and are just torsos. Apparently the two zombies they found out in the woods last week, the torso and the girl tied to the tree, they're in there. I did not see them, but this is what the internet says, so I will at least give it some credence. And the zombies just file out and start surrounding them. Uh, Aaron uses the license plate to kill one of the zombies, which was cool, if a little low tech. Uh, Yeah, but it it does mean that he has a license to kill. (laughs) <laughs> Daryl grabs a chain and like uh, I believe it was Rich point out earlier goes Ghost Rider or full Ghost Rider on him which was awesome takes out three in one shot and I'm sure we will never see that move again but it was cool the one time we did see it <laughs> it's like people like write in like ways for Daryl to kill people and like that's one of them now <laughs> so they like check that one off the list guys <laughs> Uh, and they f- take shelter inside of a car, and at first they're thinking, okay, we'll st- we'll stay in this car until the zombies, you know, lose interest in us, and then we'll get away. Aaron finds, like, a note inside the car that basically says, bad people coming, don't stay in the vehicle, mm-hmm. which was very helpful. Thank you, whoever died there last. And so Daryl decides he's going to pl- do the sacrifice play, or at least the potential sacrifice play, and he'll jump out and distract them so Aaron can get away. Aaron says, no way in hell that's happening, we're doing this together. And they're just about to jump out and try fighting their way through when Morgan shows up and saves the day, starts taking out zombies. Um, they get out of the complex and get outside the gate and they make their introductions. Yeah, it is a great scene. And you know that uh, Daryl is serious about uh, sacrificing himself because he smokes. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, nope, I want to finish my cigarette. <laughs> he actually breaks out a cigarette and smokes. So. You, know, you know it's going you know to hit the fan then. This scene is so, like, great for so many reasons. Like, the one, yes, everyone, like, all the Norman Reedus fans around the globe are, like, clenching right now. It's like, what's going to happen? <laughs> then you have, like, Aaron and Daryl, like, we're going we're gonna to go Butch Cassidy on this one. Like, I just want to see Sepia Tone fade out as, like, they just run into zombies and nothing's, it's just nothing <laughs> but zombies around them. And then the episode's so good that I forgot that Morgan existed. And so he comes in and I'm, like, rooting because it's like, oh, my God, that's an amazing save just now. And, and just everything works out and it's wonderful and then morgan has like a great line when he asks when they ask him why and he's like why because all life is precious daryl and it's just great everything about this is great (laughs) (laughs) yeah so they pretty much immediately go you seem like a cool dude and all life is precious sounds good you want to come to our town with us uh we've got supplies and walls it'll be great Uh, but morgan politely refuses and he says he's trying to get to dc and he shows him this map he picked up in a church and Daryl sees uh, the note from Abraham to uh, Rick Grimes on it. And uh, they kind of just look at each other. And then we cut away to other parts. But basically the idea is 
Daryl's probably heard of Morgan at some point. He, of course, is going to remember the, like, the walkie-talkies from Season 2 and all that kind of stuff. And uh, things off-screen come together pretty quickly, and they co- go off together towards Alexandria, which we won't catch up on until the end of the episode, but it's pretty straightforward. I this think. is like a Season 2, 3-episode arc turned into one like five-minute sequence, which I really like. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, no kidding. But the, oh my god, everything about this is so good. <laughs> like, even there's a little detail where, like, after they fight off all the zombies and then Morgan takes out another, like, handkerchief and, like, cleans off his staff again that you see at the beginning of the episode, too. Like, he's taking care of that staff, which I like. But, um, the reaction Aaron has when, like, he, when they, like, close the gates and he just, he, like, he puts his hands on his thighs and, like, takes a breath. He's like, thanks. <laughs> that was amazing. And that's what I was thinking. It's like, this is amazing. This is so good right now. So later that night, we catch up with Del and Arno uh, outside that same complex, and they have Red uh, Poncho Guy with them. Um, but in case you were thinking he was part of the group, no, he is not. They very quickly slit his throat, and they reset the trap. They've got kind of a, um, a, a what do you call that? That's on a, like a key dongle that basically they can start something from a wirelessly, and yeah, it they... turns on music, flashing lights, maybe even some fireworks. Actually, I guess the music was just in the soundtrack. It was just the but... music, and the, the lights were cut. They're blinking. They're flashing lights going off inside one of the uh, things to direct them that direction. And so that, that lures the zombies back into the trap. They close the doors, and it's reset. Why? I don't know, but I really want to. And then on the ground, they find uh, Aaron's dropped pack, including the pictures of Alexandria, which now, and again, I like this attention to detail, now includes pictures of the people from the town in addition to just the walls and the solar panels and the houses. I have to say, though, I was a little disappointed in Daryl for this whole thing because just to blindly open that truck, I mean... The second they walked in and you could see those cans hanging, I was like, there's some kind of trap here. And, you know, if fat couch potato me can see that, survivalist zombie badass Daryl should have picked up on that and at least been a little more cautious than to just blindly fling open the back of a truck. I I agree with you. I think the only argument for it is that Daryl's guard was slightly down. I think he was more focused on... The fact that they didn't find Red Poncho, but they have something else they can go for. His buddying yeah. up with his buddying up with Aaron, and just kind of, and the fact that they already like killed some walkers. So maybe if anything did happen, it already happened. I mean, there's I I again I agree with you. I do think Daryl's the kind of guy that probably should have been. I mean, yeah, exactly. We're sitting on the couch thinking there's gonna be something in that truck. Don't do that. But at the same time, maybe he's you know he's off his game like a tad bit for some reason. I guess. This is also the sequence where we get that shot-for-shot shot homage to Dawn of the Dead. Yes, thank which you. I, I, I totally spotted that. it in the, in, the, in the show, and then like an hour later, I saw it online, and somebody else mm. yes. written an article But by that time, I'd already like, forgotten oh, about it. I should have done that. But Yeah, there's a shot in the original Dawn of the Dead um, where, like I already said, this kind of complex in general reminded me of it with the trucks lined up and stuff, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Aaron has has his machete and he chops down in, on a zombie's head and it's like Jim said pretty much a shot for shot remake of Tom Savini's biker character from the original Dawn of the Dead uh, doing the same thing to uh, a zombie there was it the Harry Krishna zombie or no that that one stays no. alive till later no. yeah it's just a regular just a regular zombie, zombie. Yeah. but yeah I was like that's the same shot it even cuts him in the same place in the head that was very cool yeah I was was like huh that's you Nicotero, as I put my hands on my hips and shake my head, Nicotero. Because how many at this point? How many times has Nicotero worked with Tom Savini now over the years? It's got to be like the double digits. They must have like a giant chalkboard of like trying to one up each other. <laughs> well, between this and like the um, the death of uh, it was Aiden 
a few episodes ago where it was like you know, kind of yeah. a shout out to that guts, yeah. Day, Day of the Dead. dead. Uh, I, I really, I really appreciate those little Easter eggs in the show. They, they shot a like, black guy like Night of the Living Dead. I mean, yeah, there's all kinds of. <laughs> <laughs> It, it is it is really nice though to see that even five seasons in the show is still taking time to pay homage to the greats that laid the groundwork for this type of show, I, uh, and I, I, do, I, really, I do appreciate that. As a longtime zombie fan, I really appreciate it. So, <laughs> so meanwhile, Glenn, remember him? He's in town, and he he sees Nicholas climbing over the wall, and he grows suspicious and follows him. Um, and while he's tracking him, he is shot and wounded by Nicholas. Uh, Glenn manages to escape and later attacks Nicholas when he's off guard. Uh, a struggle ensues and Nick- Nicholas manages to escape and Glenn has to defend himself against walkers while they attack. And we cut away for a long time yeah. until we uh, we then come back to Nicholas trying to escape uh, where Glenn has somehow gotten away from the zombies. How? Doesn't really matter. And then he attacks Nicholas, holds him down and uh, holds him at gunpoint. Nicholas begs for his life. And ultimately, Glenn lets the light side win out, spares him, and brings him back to town. Glenn's a good man. What do you think he was up to, Nicholas? Oh, he was trying to trap Glenn. Yeah, he lured him up. Oh, I didn't realize he was luring him. I thought that Glenn just happened to catch him jumping the fence. So, okay. I I think it could have been either or. I think it could have been him watching Glenn to make sure he got his attention as he was climbing over the fence, or he immediately realized Glenn was following him as soon as he did so and made a plan at that point. First of all, how did he get away from the zombies? He's Glenn. He's Glenn. Second of all, <laughs> I mean, he's Glenn. I mean, he got shot. He's Doesn't a pizza matter. delivery boy, and he fought off a zombie with a chair once. I mean, he's, yeah, he's Glenn. He got, <laughs> got trapped with a fat zombie in a well and survived with a rope tied around him. He's Glenn, okay? Uh, you remember Stu. I miss Stu. <laughs> yeah, Stu. But um, the, the other thing, I really, when I was talking before about the direction, this scene was intercut with the scene with Sasha, and Father Gabriel. I know you're going plot line by plot line. And yeah, the Rick, yes. and, and the Rick stuff. And too. and the Rick stuff, too. So it was like, you know, you had all these incredibly tension-filled scenes where people were making these conscious, you know, decisions of conscience, like, tied together in the editing. I just, I really appreciated that. I thought it was cool. Really great I, way to keep the yeah. tension and the action rolling as the episode went on without, you know, losing it, losing the momentum. I completely agree with you, uh, Jim. I, I think the editing of this episode and just the direction, I think in terms of as opposed to being flashy in kind of visually speaking, and I mean, the show always looks good. I mean, I'm not taking away from that. I think the the kind of filmmaking involved to make all of these storylines work parallel to each other is very impressive. And I think people that are kind of down on this episode because it wasn't eventful enough, I I mean, that's that's fair. It's your prerogative. It's your, you know, it's a subjective opinion on the episode. But at the same time, I think there's a lot to appreciate beyond just, you know, pow biff wham of something happening i think seeing a show that wants to take its time which is why this is 90 minutes and focus on all of these characters and build it up to this kind of breakneck paced finale of the you know climax of the episode where you can follow these disparate storylines and be excited by each one of them because of the way they're all stitched together i think that's impressive on its own and that's something to be recognized people are actually saying that they felt it was uneventful Uh, (laughs) did you not read any brad's posts (laughs) I, no, I've I've stayed away from stuff all day, so we could talk about things here. I don't like things to influence it. I already get that enough from Talking Dead, so I've kind of stayed away except for seeing the ratings. Um, how was it not eventful? It was one... I, I would say 90% of people agree with us, Rich, mm. okay. but there are a very vocal minority who really hated this episode, and <clears throat> that's their prerogative. Bre- bre- it's also bread Milo, bread Milo. <clears throat> there are Sorry. others as well, you know, but hey, that's their prerogative. 
I know. Well, Brad is hard to please, <laughs> notoriously. So, yeah, he was also bored by Inception and never finished it. So I don't know what to give you there. But <laughs> oh god. <laughs> so then we have our favorite. I think we can all agree this is our favorite storyline of the night. Father Gabriel. Um, he decides to take a walk outside the walls. Uh, the guard at the wall tries to convince him to take a gun. He declines. He finds a walker out on the road and approaches it, and he offers himself to be eaten by it. However, at the last moment, damn it, he changes his mind, and he kills the walker instead by using the noose around its neck to decapitate it, which, this was a, I don't like this plot line, I don't like this character. That was a nifty death, and makes me question what happened to the zombie. Yeah, that, and then, like, when he kills the other one. Like, yeah, the, the zombie was eating somebody on the side of the road, and, and he just puts the guy out of his misery. There's an overhead shot of him that's like, God, everything's wrong with this scene. Like, the zombie's eating him, he's got guts hanging out, it's like, arms off or something. Like, it's just like, oh, man, this guy suffered. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> now, the one with the noose around his neck, he had a W, right? I believe so. Would so make sense. I'm thinking he probably killed himself, hung himself because of the you know, no hope in the apocalypse thing, and then the, the wolves came along and cut him down and branded him. Something, yeah, something. It's quite possible, or they're the ones who hung him in the first place. It seems yeah. like something they do. Just, like, yeah. rope snapped or something eventually, and he started walking around again. Or I don't know, actually, because wolves wouldn't really leave, that, based on what we know about the wolves, they wouldn't really leave a man to be able to get back up and walk around again, but I don't know, whatever. <laughs> uh, they do like suspending zombies. I have noticed that. You that's know, true. Like, I mean, that's they why like they're... like dismembering it and that, suspending it. That's why their classrooms are so empty. <laughs> that's so dumb <laughs> what was that a reference to I, nothing it's just, I kind of went you, with it well, but... well you said sus- you said suspended so Spend- I was like yeah oh, suspending all the zombies gotcha da, 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 da. hey it's been a long day folks uh, so he puts that guy out of his misery and uh, then he begins to cry because boohoo he's Father Gabriel and he knows he sucks too um, so he returns to Alexandria and uh, Spencer is at the gate and he asks Father Gabriel to close the gate behind him uh, but he doesn't he just kind of swings it shut behind him it bangs shut and then opens up again he walks into the town just kind of mopey and heads back to the church where he finds Sasha sitting down there and she asks Father Gabriel for help um, she says she, she needs to talk to somebody because she's going through a lot as we've seen and he refuses says uh, you know she can't be forgiven for her sins it's her fault Bob died it's her fault her brother died it's her fault all kinds of bad things are happening it's her sins coming back to her and he won't help her and, and Sasha says she wants to die and it just becomes a whole big uh, mess there where eventually by the end Sasha is holding Father Gabriel at gunpoint but Maggie arrives at just the right second and stops her and then Father Gabriel admits his guilt for the wrong says, second he, well, yeah, true. Uh, he says it's it's his fault. His his congregation died. Maggie agrees with him, and then they all pray because whatever. Couldn't even I... shut the gate. And he like <laughs> did couldn't it in the even most, like... shut the gate. And he came he in. Are you kidding me? He, he did it in like a cool guys and look at explosions type of way, where he just kind of like pulled it closed and walked away from it. <laughs> so I'm too scared I, I... to even see if this gate closed. I need one of our listeners to edit together a version of this that has the sad Charlie Brown music playing over it mm. as he mopes <laughs> his way back through town, because that's pretty much perfect. The Sasha stuff, just, just putting these two characters together, I'm like, all right, well, at least you found a point in all of this, so good on you, but <laughs> gee whiz, just these people, and they're fighting and no one's dying, <laughs> neither of them, they both want it. So, you know, get, oh, good, next season, let's see. Let's see them all happy together. Gabriel's, everyone forgiven Gabriel. Let's see it. Let's make him a good character. I'm all for that. Or just relegate him to the background and never bring him up again. Exactly. Because, I, I mean, that. I'm sorry. After what Maggie overheard, I don't feel that he 
could ever be trusted again. I don't think well, there's well, redemption. Well, that, that and the, you know, the walkers that got into the compound because well, of the yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, so Rick's heading out to the forum that night to discuss whether or not he will be kicked out of uh, Alexandria. Um, and he makes his way past the gate and notices it's still open, and that's a pretty giant red flag. And he sees on one of the crossbars at the gate there's some rotted flesh uh hung on it from a zombie who had made its way through. So he starts running through the town looking for the walkers. I don't know why he didn't try to get anyone's attention, but hey, whatever. They're this all is what at the he town did. meeting. Well, yeah, but it's light when he finds this, and it's dark by the time they're having the town meeting. So either that's some really bad continuity, or he was like, nah, I can do this myself. It's well, cool. right, First yeah, of all, everybody wanted to get there early to have some of Carol's cookies. Okay? <laughs> and, and second of all, it was much more dramatic when he comes in later with the walker. If he, you know, he, <laughs> You know, he brought a committee with him. It would have blown his whole dramatic reveal there. So I think, yeah, I be actually and, be kind of. I I wouldn't be surprised if Rick kind of like thought this through and was like, you know, if there's a zombie in here because these people were idiots, then I could probably take them out myself and then just drag one of them and really prove my point that way, which is what he basically did essentially. And, and Jordan, everybody knows that the sun goes down faster on the East Coast. It's science. <laughs> and Carol's cookies are delicious. Hey, you got to get there earlier. They're all going to be gone. So Rick uh, is searching for the zombies. He eventually finds them. There's a long protracted battle. And like you guys said, it's it's intercut between this, the town meeting, Sasha and Gabriel, uh, Glenn and Nicholas and Aaron and Morgan and Daryl all out there. So we're cutting back and forth between all these different things. But he does manage to kill the zombies, the last one in pretty spectacularly gory fashion. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> like, I kept it was kind of dark, so I wasn't exactly sure it was happening. But he's like shoving something. I thought it was a knife. Then it's the gun. And then he blows the face off and the guts are, or the guts the face guts you know those the blood <laughs> of the, the, the brains are like pouring on him it's like jeez well, and, and my, my exact reaction is like oh he's gonna walk to the meeting and be covered in blood again that's not gonna help his point but then he dragged the walker <laughs> with him so, and then so, it really helps his point yes exactly one of my things with this scene is I thought he was shoving the gun up through the bottom of his of the zombie's skull as in he didn't want to take a shot and alert the rest of the town but then he does take the shot. So what? why didn't he just shoot to begin with? Why did he have to do the dramatic, you know, shoving the gun up other than, I guess, good screen? Um, the other thing, too, though, is getting the zombie juice in his mouth. His mouth and eyes were closed. I did go back and rewatch that, and he definitely shuts both of them before he pulls the trigger. I watched it again. Yeah, he shuts them, but you see him spitting. The zombie juice. Well, it's. I think it's more of his own kind of sweat and buildup of just the scene in general and just kind of immediately uh, repulsing anything that's in it, any viscera that's in his way. At yeah, the same time... Imagine I, his mouth empty and the, and the goop is all on, fr- on the front of his face and he just expels all the air in his mouth to quickly clear the airway. Yeah. And okay. keep anything from entering. Well, yeah, and I, I forget that our main characters can't die of simple things like that. <laughs> yeah, it's science. I, I think it's... I think it's a. I think it's more about the emotion of the scene and just showing. Like, the, the, I don't think the show's ever been too concerned with kind of zombie entrails causing z- zombieism. <laughs> I, I don't think that's been a details. Details. I don't think. I know. I, I'm aware, and I'm you know I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a just as big of a zombie fan as the others on here. But it's like I, I feel like The Walking Dead hasn't been one to emphasize that as a, a focal point when it comes to how to become infected. So meanwhile, while all this and all the other storylines are going on, of course we have the town meeting going on. Um, Michonne, Carol, Abraham, Maggie, they're all there. They all speak in Rick's defense. Um, Deanna then reveals to the entire group what Father Gabriel told her about Rick and his people. 
And not not the very next day was when Rick uh, and and Pete had their knockdown drag out in the middle of the streets. So what is she to think, of course, but that Father Gabriel might have a point uh, and that Rick and his people will put themselves before the town. But the form is interrupted when Rick carries in the corpse of one of the walkers he killed, demonstrating that Alexandria's walls alone will not be enough. Um, He tells them that outsiders, both living and dead, will try to gain entry. And he tells its people of Alexandria they must be ready to take make tough choices and that he will teach them to survive. And he tells them, you know, originally I was asking myself, how many of you am I going to have to kill to save your lives? My favorite line of the episode, but I'm realized I don't have to kill any of you. We're going to make you stronger. And this, this comes from the conversation you have with Carol, the conversation you have with Sean. He also had a conversation with Carl. Carl encouraged him to just talk to the people, tell them what they need to know instead of just doing all this crazy stuff. Um, can, can we can we back up to before Rick enters the scene and just kind of this forum in general? Go go right ahead. I think it's a terrible forum. I mean, for one, for some, for some reason, despite there being like many available houses that I'm sure they can hold this in, as opposed to around a campfire where it's dark and not everyone can be seen, they're like, I guess the forum is Diana brings up a topic and then everyone that knows Rick already says something. And it's just like, this seems so unorganized and weirdly slanted if like you're actually going to have a proper discussion like you're not especially really especially for much. a former politician yeah she's like not doing much of a job here she's like well here uh here's a topic okay i'm gonna let all of rick's people speak in his defense and then i'm gonna bring up something about some guy that's not here who none of us know who's also f- knows rick to some extent and then like jesse comes up she's like you're just saying something that someone else said so how do we know that that was said to begin with to be said like i don't like it's just like <laughs> these <Objection. little> things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, pe- the people of the town, aside from Deanna, barely speak. Like, Jesse yeah. says a sentence, another lady says a sentence, and I think uh, Tobin might say a sentence. Like, but in between, like, monologues from Carol and Michonne and Maggie and Abraham, you know. Even in, like, you know, silly comedies that have, like, big city versus little folk logic, and then, like, someone's, like, randomly in the crowd saying, well, what about this? There was, like, rabble, rabble, rabble. Like, none of that happened at all, and I completely expected something like that for an episode. It was, like it was a very respectful forum. I'll yeah. give them that. Yeah, I get, yeah. yeah, good job. Good on them. <laughs> I almost, because Rick hadn't shown up yet, we know he was fighting the zombies, I almost thought, are they going to kill Rick off? Because it felt like they were having this, you know, Post-wake, awake for Rick. You know, they were all saying these great things about him and remembering these things, and I'm like, man, TV shows that go to this length to spotlight a character's journey in the scenes like that usually means that character's going to be gone. Uh, so, I, 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 I for a minute, believed, I was scared, and then he I, shows up with the zombie. So I would have, be- I would have believed that they would have exiled him, like, like showing him doing like all this stuff to try and save the town, and then they end up like exiling him, and it ends on like a you know empire or something like that. Like it's you know Rick, Rick versus the wild again, while everyone else is still in the walls, and that's like a cliffhanger ending, like something like that. But then it was like, oh no, Rick yeah. just has a massive speech to give to let him off the hook and return us to basic status quo of Rick's right and you're wrong. You know, people named Rick are usually always in the right so <laughs> <laughs> and okay. Aaron's usually get on and do it with Daryl's that's all I'm saying <laughs> we just need to add a Daryl that's all yeah so right about when Rick is pretty much finished with his speech, which was a very well done, well written, well delivered speech, I thought. Um, that's when Pete shows up with Michonne's katana because Pete is drunk and Pete is angry and Pete wants uh, Pete wants Rick gone. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, I didn't catch that that was her katana. I thought he had, like, oh, a machete or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's her katana, yeah. Oh, you can add breaking and entering and uh, petty burglary to his... Uh... Well, there's even, like, an after credit scene where Michonne puts it back. Right, Actually, yes. I just read about well, that in the synopsis. I missed that, so I need to go back and catch those. I missed a little bit more to it. I missed that. it. The, I missed it the first time. Yeah, because I I read about it too, and I was like, where where was that scene? So then I when I was watching it the second time, I was like, all right, I'll stick around after the credits. And yeah, there's another <laughs> scene that happens, which we probably should have expected given that the show's right. decided to do that randomly. <laughs> so. so Pete starts yelling about how Rick does not belong here. And Rick starts to move forward and kind of reached, reaches toward his gun, and, and Carol tells him, just wait, just wait, and uh, Reg goes over and tries to talk Pete down, but uh, Pete kind of swings the sword very awkwardly and hits uh, Reg in the throat, uh, killing Reg. Um, Abraham jumps on Pete and knocks him down and, and gets the sword away from him, and uh, Deanna's just sobbing with her dying husband in her arms, and Rick's got the gun ready. Deanna tells him, Rick, do it. He pulls out the gun points it right at camera and kills Pete and at that moment we hear Rick and the camera turns and we see that Daryl, Aaron, and Morgan have arrived and witnessed the execution. We should point out that earlier in the episode Rick when Rick was kind of getting ready to go to the the uh, the council, the com, you know, the the count the meeting, um he was kind of preparing himself and thinking of thoughts and you're hearing a lot of thoughts that Morgan and him talked about in past episodes. Right. As well as Bob Stuckey. And Bob, yes. Yep. Yeah. So it's a little fitting. It's like, oh, here's that guy that I was trying to get advice from in my my thought process earlier today. <laughs> Here he is standing in front of me. Well, and this was a big mistake too because there, her husband is lying dying with this wound on his neck, and the one guy that could commit surgery and fix him, they kill. No, he was dead. Yeah, he, he died. died. He bled oh, out right there. Yeah, th- that's that's not something that even very quick surgery is. All the king's horses, all the king's men. I, I, I was trying to be again. ironically <laughs> funny there, but I, okay. I failed. <laughs> Better luck next time. But uh, I I I wasn't like I was. I don't know why I was giggling so much during the scene. I was like, porch dick, you you card. <laughs> it was just like so. It's dramatic, and I feel really because I like. Her. I think we all like Reg. He seemed like a good guy, but it was like, oh no, like, the, the nicest guy just got killed by porch dick because he like I guess broke into Michonne's house where he knew there was a katana because you know why not? And like, just, his plan was to just like yell like some over the top like sci fi dystopian future villain like Outlander. <laughs> Get out of our town! <laughs> Do not bring your evil here. Pete, Pete Blaster runs math, runs Barter Town. <laughs> and yeah, then like all just everything terrible happens. <laughs> Rick shoots a guy in the face as we yeah. end a lot of seasons on. And uh, yeah, I like so, how Chris Hardwick put it: "Porch Dick has gone limp." <laughs> And then in our post-credits scene, um, Michonne is seen contemplating mounting her katana back on the wall, but ultimately she decides she's going to carry it as part of her uh, uh, peacekeeping ensemble. And back at the wolf's trap, we see the red poncho survivor, now a walker, stumbling past a car in which Daryl and Aaron had taken shelter, upon which has been written, Wolves Not Far. Yeah, that happened. But, uh... But and who, that is season five of who, The Walking Dead. Who wrote that? Because we know our guys didn't write that, and the only other guys that were there were the wolves. Well, I think it's just the, uh, well, yeah. Or it, was it, it already there and we just didn't see it? It was already there, we just didn't okay. see it. Okay. I think it would be, it was, I think, probably the same people that wrote the note in the car. 
Oh, because again, or I, the I wolves did it themselves. Credit scenes, so yeah. Because I think it's it's equally possible the wolves who seem very crazy that they did it themselves. Like it's not like did someone go to um, Noah's family's town and then write a bunch of graffiti after the wolves left? Is there another group following the wolves, just basically leaving notes? Like I think it's probably just the wolves being nutso. That's fair. Although I mean, it's also it's the same location where they set a trap, hoping to lure people in. Yeah, I, uh, that, that that is a good point. But again, they're crazy. So yeah, I do. So what do we think the wolves' plan is? Like, what is their end goal? Kill everyone? Be the only survivors left? Ab- absorb some life forces and take them back to Zenu. I don't know. <laughs> you, have you been studying wolfatology? Wolfatology. <laughs> I don't know. That makes me think about that HBO documentary I watched before The Walking Dead last night. Yeah, I got it. I DVR'd it. I'm going to watch it later today. Oh my god, I'm crazy. I don't know what the wolves' plan is, Jordan. I mean, they... I, I kind of like that, though. I kind of like that I have... I know they're evil, I know they're crazy, I know they're pretty clever, and I have no idea what they're trying to do, and I kind of really like that. I, I'm curious if there's, like, an entry program? Just not, I'm not being funny. I mean, just in terms of, like, do they see people and want some of them to be a part of them and others not to, or is it a very exclusive group they have going? And they... How many of them are there? And are or, there hundreds? Are there or two? as crazy as they are... You know, he said said to Morgan in the cold opening about how people were returning to being wolves. Maybe they actually, you know, see people and they're like, are they a potential wolf? No. Okay, now they're going to be part of our zombie fodder stuff. You know, and they didn't I, look I, at they, they didn't look at Morgan, who's you know a competent warrior, and see that in him. I guess so. It just makes me curious. It's like, what, what what is their plan? They're setting up traps with like, and they're taking off limbs and things of people and hanging them around trees and stuff. It's like, what what is going? And on? And they don't seem to have bullets, which I thought was very interesting because if they're killing this many people, they've got to be amassing a good amount of supplies. Yet none of those were bullets. They get the so drip. either that was a choice they made, like the wolves, not just the writers and producers. Either that was a choice or. I don't know what. I, I think, if anything, it's more of like, if we put a bullet in them, we ruin the body that we want to usurp all the power from, so let's use just hand-to-hand <laughs> weapons and what. I mean, that's the crazy logic I could explain. Yeah, I, 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 I can buy that. You know, it's something weird, but like, I we, like we it. Could, we just play mind games with the guns and then get close to them and, you know, stabby-stabby. It's also worth noting, okay, so by the end of the episode, the, the wolves, whether or not they were part of Alexandria before or not, because, again, we have no idea. Whether they were or not, they have pictures of Alexandria, they have pictures of Carl and Rick, and whoever else was in the pictures uh, uh, that uh, Aaron accidentally dropped in his pack. But they are 50 miles away at the point that this episode ends. However, they have been to that area just recently, or at least we don't know, I guess, we don't know we, how we far We've only seen zombies with Aaron W's were. on them. We don't really know how close the wolves themselves are. Well, m- my question was, how far will, were Daryl and Aaron last week when they found those bodies that were fresh? Like, were they already 30 miles out, or were they only 5 miles out at that point? Fair enough. They got the Darrow cycle and the Aaron mobile, so, I mean, they can be anywhere, really. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but regardless, I think we're all pretty big fans of this episode. But before we get to our Buster ratings for this week's episode, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Of course, DCBService.com, Discount Comic Book Service, and their sister site, InStockTrades.com, or where you can go to get your comic books, your trade paperbacks, your hardcover collections of comics. T-shirts, hoodies, hats, other uh, tchotchkes related to comic books or nerd-type stuff. Hey, the 
off season is here, but that doesn't mean The Walking Dead has to stop. You can go to InStockTrades.com, you can go to DCBService.com, and you can pick up the Walking Dead Compendium Editions, get yourself 48 issues at a pop at deep, deep discounts. Get yourself caught up on the comics by the time uh, Fear the Walking Dead starts up and by the time Season 6 rolls around. Uh, you can get yourself a Michonne hoodie, you can get yourself those McFarlane uh, building block dioramas that they just put out awesome. that Jim's such a big fan of. I've got the Daryl with the chopper, and it is so detailed and cool. And they're like hand painted, right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 interesting. It, it, it's it's marketed kind of like a Lego type thing, but it really isn't. It's just it's it's building a diorama. Is what it is. It's really cool. Yeah. And and I also want to mention while you're talking about in stock trades, this is how good a savings or how good prices you can get. I just got all four the entire series of iZombie for thirty two dollars. Wow. You know, that's, you know, that's more than half what I would pay at Barnes & Noble. Well, some of the featured Walking Dead uh, stuff they have at their website right now. A Walking Dead Daryl Wings Heat Change Coffee Mug, which I think is kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. You put the heat in it and Daryl's Wings are, are there. The uh, the Walking Dead board game at uh, $15, which is over half off. Uh, the Walking Dead Omnibuy are going for 40% off. That's... $60 off the normal $100 price um, if you are interested in getting into the comics at all. There's a really cool Glenn uh, mini bust here that's uh, this 25% off DCB services price, 68 bucks. So um, definitely check them out. Even if you're not into the comics, if you want to get some cool, like uh, uh, Jordan said, tchotchkes or um, cool uh, Walking Dead you know, merchandise, they have that there too, also at deep discounts. So. I keep waiting for uh, Invincible Hardcover 10 uh, to to drop in the pre-order over there and uh, still waiting on that. Get on it, Kirkman. <laughs> so, of course, head over to DCBService.com, head over to InStockTrace.com, let them know we sent you and get your comics, get all your nerd-related merchandise and get it way cheaper than you're going to get it anywhere else. And we thank them uh, for sponsoring the show. But in addition to that, we're also, of course, brought to you by the HHWLOD Podcast Network, of which we're all members and are on tons and tons of shows. Uh, Rich, you just brought up iZombie. I know you and Jim over at the DCTV Podcast have been talking about uh, the brand new CW show, iZombie. What are your thoughts on it so far, and what can uh, listeners hope to hear over on DCTV? Not only is it good, but it was surprising because now... The reason I just bought the graphic novels is I have not read the comics before, and I'm already finding out that it's vastly different than the show. But Mm -hmm. um, seeing the previews, the little trailers and stuff leading up to it, its premiere, I was like, God, that just looks kind of lame. And I couldn't be more wrong. It is so much fun. It's 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 a fun show. I like how Jim puts it. It's like Veronica Mars is a zombie. Which makes sense, because it's the same creators behind right, the shows. <laughs> right, Jim, what else are you guys talking about on DCTV? Well, in addition to a surprisingly good zombie show, we're also, uh, things are heating up on The Flash as we race, uh, see what I did there, towards the season finale. Uh, we talk about we talk about the last uh, episode with, uh, dealing with the aftermath of the time travel and the return of the rogues, uh, Rogue Time, and then the latest episode of Arrow, which brought back the Suicide Squad. Uh, including Deadshot for a really cool uh, episode there called Suicidal Tendencies. So uh, it'll be out the same day as this podcast or the, or the day after the DCTV podcast. Please check it out. And uh, Aaron, you're over on the Out Now with Aaron and Abe podcast talking about new release movies. What new release movie are you talking about this week? Guys, if you like horror movies, and since you're watching a zombie television program, 
I assume you like horror of some kind. There is a movie out in wide release called It Follows that got a wide release because the buzz was so strong from its very limited release. You should definitely see that movie, and then you should listen to our latest episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, where we talk about the film It Follows with full spoilers, and at least one of us proclaim it to be the best horror movie involving teens that they've seen since the original John Carpenter Halloween. Wow, that's a statement. Very much a movie I recommend. Um, it has a, uh, There's a lot of things I admire about it, and just feel free to listen to our episode where we talk all about It Follows. It's a really fun episode. We've talked a lot longer than I expected about that movie and many other movie-related things. Are there big names in it, or...? It is a small. It's no. It's, it's a, it was an independent movie that had a small release, but it has like a. I think like a ninety-five percent of Rotten Tomatoes, and the buzz was so strong that they're like, you know what? Instead wow. of going VOD, let's release it wide. So it got like a twelve hundred theater release last weekend. It didn't do amazing because horror movies don't tend to do that well unless it's really marketed really well. But at the same time, it's definitely worth seeing. So very cool. That's high praise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, of course, you can hear those and many other shows featuring us and many other people uh, at hhwlod.com. If it's nerdy, there's a good chance we got, oh, I don't know, three, four, maybe seven podcasts discussing it and uh, something there for everybody. So head over to hhwlod.com and find a podcast that you enjoy as much as this one. So, gentlemen, Buster Ratings. One is bad. Five is awesome. How many on that scale do you give Conquer? I give Conquer five out of five. I mean, this is what I watch The Walking Dead for, uh... Good character moments, tight tight action, uh, good good zombie uh, uh, sequences. The return of Morgan. Uh, I just thought it was just great all around. Probably one of the best season finales we've had. I have to go rewatch to make a definitive statement like that. But uh, yeah, definitely five out of five this this week. I I agree. Um, I think even with my like minor issues with characters that just haven't come to like because of the writing or what have you. I think this finale is so effective in spite of those things that I'm happy to go like above a 4.5 for minor flaws because I think I had such a great reaction to it overall and would happy be happy to celebrate it as like my favorite finale of the show that 5 out of 5 seems totally appropriate, so I'm there too. Well, I'm going to give it a 4.99 out of 5. Why do I take off that 1%? That, that one is because every time you show me Gabriel crying on screen, you're going to lose a little bit from me. But, yes, solid episode. I agree with everything Jim and Aaron said, and um, this is what I want to see out of a Walking Dead show. And it makes me want them to change the format to 90 minutes for every episode. Because, like I think Aaron said earlier, it, it, it gave it room to breathe and really be put together well. And I just really enjoyed it. Well, I'm going to go with, well, let's just say you're pretty much a five, Rich. I'm going to go with all of you guys. I also agree it's a five. And uh, it's just a great episode. Yes, no one died, but no one needed to. Like I said earlier on in, in this episode, I had that feeling of dread in the pit of my stomach for 90 minutes. And that's what I want out of a horror movie or a horror TV show or what, what have you. This is a show that has had many problems throughout the years, but has found a way around most of them, has has gotten stronger through most of them. And is it perfect now? No. But I think this is about the height of what we can expect from the show. And if that's what it is, even with those problems of Gabriel and Sasha or whatever, it's still really satisfying for that 90 minutes and has learned from its mistakes and is is just getting better and better, but it's reached kind of that plateau level, and this is what I love. It's giving me characters I enjoy that might die at any moment, and even when they don't, I still feel like it wasn't gypped, I wasn't, you know, taken for a ride or something like that. The show 
just works at this point, and I'm thrilled about this. Is it always perfect? No. But this is a really, really stellar example of what it can be when it's firing on all cylinders. I like Gimple's um, formula now. Every eight episodes or every half season is going to be its own arc, and you know, and when it's done, it's done, and we're moving on to the next one in the next eight episodes. Yeah, it's working out very well, I think, in general. I uh, I know we're running long, so I don't want to do necessarily this right now. But I think we'd be, I think you know, the four of us and whoever else that we you know sometimes feature on this podcast would be happy to kind of do like a season retrospective, just the thoughts on the season overall, where we can talk oh, about it a little more. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So we're going to move on to what our listeners thought of the episode, but before we do that, Aaron, I know you have to run. You've got movies to see and hundreds of articles to post mm-hmm. in the next few minutes, so uh, we will bid you adieu, but thank you for joining us for this half of the season, and we can't, take, can't wait to talk with you about uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, for sure. I'll, you know, I'll, be, I'll be back. Sorry I got to go early, guys, but I will say I've been happy to write about it throughout the season, happy to talk with you guys about the, you know, the entire season as always, and uh, you can find my whole written review it's on the Facebook page, which you're about to talk about. It's also at theyoungfolks.com. And I also put up a, a best-slash-worst-things-about-the-Walking-Dead finale over at, uh, where I work now, at Rant, at ranthollywood.com, which is also on the Facebook page. So feel free to check those things out. I know a lot of people uh, responded quite well to it so far, so I'm happy with that. But, uh, yeah, I'll uh, talk to you guys later. All righty, have a later, good one. Aaron. Hey, guys. Good night. All right, so let's head over to the Facebook group and find out what our listeners thought. What say you, Jim? Well, we have a pretty active Facebook group, uh, the at the Walking Dead TV podcast on Facebook. So it's very popular with the young people. If you haven't heard of it, you might want to check it out. Six hundred forty-eight members strong, which is pretty awesome. We had eighteen new members in just the past few weeks. So thanks for joining us. And every week, uh, not only do we post the uh, links to Aaron's uh, reviews of each episode, uh, we also have uh, cool links to uh, news and features and fun stuff. And uh, all kinds of great groovy stuff. So if you enjoy The Walking Dead, definitely join our Facebook group. And uh, you will be able to follow along with a pretty fun forum. And every week uh, when there's a new episode, we ask our uh, members of the Facebook group what they thought of the episode using our Buster Scale. Uh, We, of course, had a lot of responses for this episode. Including one from Mr. Brad Milo that you may remember from this very podcast. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, we'll start with Jeff Rhodes, who just said, a TN, a TN, an F and TN. Okay. Uh, <laughs> David Pugh III wrote in five out of five. Oh, wait, it starts in five minutes and then thought better of it afterwards, giving it a 4.25 out of five. Um, there's a lot more living uh, left than I expected. I have to know more about the semi-truck people coming to slaughter the Alexandrians. The Jedi lightsaber katana action was awesome, and I would have loved seeing more of that storyline develop. Uh, the Carol fan double on The Talking Dead gets a five, but I'll save that for The Talking Dead TV podcast. Yeah, I think someone else will be doing that one. I don't know. Uh, Pamela Burton, five out of five. I loved it. Mike Jones, five. I don't see dead people out of five. <laughs> the best season finale of this show so far. No major deaths and still 100% awesome. Morgan stole the show. I agree. Um, Brian Arnold gave it a 4.75 broken casserole dishes out of 5. Like I said, it's the casserole who really suffered here. Um, a great <laughs> season finale, and none of our character, favorite characters died with the exception of the hospital storyline. This season was fantastic. Uh, Kevin Berry, 5 out of 5, full beer fridges. Great way to end the Alexandria arc, only to start with the wolf storyline. Uh, with Pete gone, one can only imagine how much beer will be available in Alexandria. It's a good point. Uh, Susan Monk, five ball platters out of five, plus extra credit for some tear shed. 
at that reunion at the end. Carl Hooker gave it a five. Red Balloons, now Red Ponchos, out of five. Um, my Walking Dead bracket may have been busted, but, <laughs> but I was glad to see no major players killed. Stayed on the edge of my seat until the very end. Love the return of Jedi Morgan. Uh, three questions. Can Gabriel be redeemed? Mm, I don't know. How is Nicholas still alive? Because Glenn is so cool. <laughs> and, oh, didn't they just kill off their only doctor? Yeah, but Tara woke up, which I forgot to say in the end there. She woke up, seems to be fine. So they don't need him, right? Nobody else will get hurt. Well, well and Ro- isn't Rosita oh. medically trained or something? Well, that's what Susan Monk says in the next uh, thing here. She says, hopefully you oh. taught Rosita enough to get by until they find another doctor. Uh, Everard Santa Marina, four and one-third fireside chats with psychotic serial killers out of five. Uh, I probably need to see this again to capture all the subtle things in it. I'm digging it because I caught myself thinking it was going on too long, but there were a lot of awesome moments. Uh, that trap of the food processing, processing plant was over-the-top awesome, although who left the note? How do they know who rescues people from the car are bad? I think they're getting carried away with their zombie kill craziness. Three, de- three decapitations with a chain? Please. I love it, though, and I can't wait for next season. I, only- I would guess that whoever's in that car before, seeing as we see how they unspring the trap, they most likely you know, flip the switch to lure the zombies back in. And uh, I figure if you were in the car and that happened and you had the presence of mind to leave a note, you'd probably assume the people doing this were not on your side. That's my guess. Well, uh, Mr. Brad Milo was not able to be on the uh, the podcast to talk about it because he's you know, a pretty busy guy. But his uh, reaction to everything, uh, all the other reviews was, are you people high? I can't speak for all of our uh, Facebook people to, to quantify Only the lucky that. ones. Only, only the ones who can afford to be, I suppose. <laughs> uh, possibly the most disappointing season finale of Walking Dead yet, says Brad. It felt like the next to last episode of a season rather than a season finale. I feel like somebody played a mean-spirited, tasteless prank on me, actually. Oh, Brad. Well, there's, you know, there's always room for dissenting opinion. Uh, Craig Dumonda gave it a 4.5 strange endings to a strange season. Loved seeing Morgan as Darth Maul, Donatello, Mimbari-style fighting bike. And the ultimate reunion with Rick at the end. Mr. Gimple, you killed all the wrong people off this season. Bob, Beth, Tyree should still be around. Their stories were not complete at all. As executive producer, put down the comic book for a few minutes and look what the actors, uh, what actors are really shining on screen and give them time to develop. We've seen enough Pouty Sasha. uh, Sasha. Instead, give that screen time to Abraham where Cudlitz is really delivering some great work. I'm hoping for Fear of the Walking Dead as Gimple has no part in it. Hmm. To, to rebut that, it's not like this storyline from Sasha came from the comics because Sasha isn't from the comics. So, true. you know, you know, a lot of the, some of the stuff that we like and don't like is, and some of it isn't. So, it's it's. I don't think they're being blind and only following the comics here. There was plenty of surprises for us who have read the books, even though some of the things were expected, at least from me, because I read them five years ago. But there's still plenty of new stuff here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the, the things that are taken from the comics have been kind of remixed and reshuffled. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Max Sofer, five out of five rocks to the head. Uh, wrapped up the necessary plots and opened new ones, did exactly what it was supposed to do. And somehow Nicholas is still alive and he's still an a-hole. Uh, Chris Pierce gives it three out of five White Father Gabriel shirts. How he did not get blood on them, I will never know. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing and meant to bring that up when we were talking about it. But, I, yeah, he had a perfectly clean white shirt the whole time. Holy water and, and Febreze gets out a lot of stains. So. <laughs> it's 
So, so do I. Chinese secret. So do guilty <laughs> tears, I suppose. <laughs> uh, we had to put up with the Hyundai product placement in the first seasons. I'm waiting for an OxyClean or Tide with bleach plug. Gets out even the toughest, toughest stains, including those on your soul. Um, as Aaron Newer said, he was doing his write-up now, but he'd have to be a real Brad Milo not to like that finale. <laughs> oh, uh, Douglas Newman, 5 out of 5 Kung Fu Walking Dead Sticks. Uh, Darren Apple, he was a 4.5 out of 5 Judas Priests. <laughs> uh, Trisha Terrell Collins, 4.75 out of 5. Sasha gets up close and personal with the walkers. I clearly couldn't be happier with Morgan being in this episode. And uh, hopefully back. Oh, I see what she did there. Clearly. Because the episode was clear. Wow. Hey. Smart lady. Um, I I think we didn't lose any main characters, but Father Gabriel, what are they going to do with that sorry dude? October's a long way off. I can't wait. Uh, Shalom uh, Bensavega. Woo. Six out of five. Morgan as David Carradine's. Uh, I don't want any trouble, badasses. Uh, I love the whole episode. Uh, Brent Jones, 3.85. What do I need these tissues for, Rita's? <laughs> uh, looks like just Brad and I are over here in the disappointed section. I absolutely love the Morgan story and him meeting Daryl and A.B. Jean making amends. It just felt like they didn't wrap up enough loose ends inside the wall and we're all going to spend next year's uh, first half setting up the showdown with the Wolves we all expected tonight. Uh, Rick's still not officially in charge, but at least we know the group's solidarity is intact. Uh, Lisa Gonzalez, five unstoppable Glens, no doubt. Man, Glenn was the real hero in this episode too, if you think about it. Uh, Sari Nichols, uh, four out of five. There's a vast ocean of of bleep you people don't know bleep about. Uh, I do love that line. Uh, loved Morgan, but there were some continuity problems. Father Gabriel telling Sasha Bob died because of the things she did. I assume he is talking about killing the termites in the church. But what happened after they ate Bob? Uh, it got dark really quickly. What was the purpose? I, I didn't read that as a continuity error so much as Gabriel is a jerk and is just evil at this yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about evil, but he's definitely messed in the head. What was the purpose of killing Red Poncho Man? Overall, I liked it, but the, the Father Gabe storyline dragged the pacing down. Uh, 4.5 Dawn of the Dead Machete Zombie Kills. Yeah, from David Garrick. Uh, I'm glad he noticed that too. Uh, aside from a few issues, it was a great episode. The extra runtime was well utilized for the most part, even though by the end of the episode it was clear they may have tried to cram a bit too much in there. Uh, some of the Morgan and Wolf stuff should have appeared a little earlier in the season so they wouldn't have to play it all out here. Um, Brad Milo uh, defends his, uh, his earlier statement saying it was a great Walking Dead episode but a lousy season finale. There are great, many wonderful, th- wonderful, and great things about this episode, but none of them are final or season finale worthy. Um, Ian Timms gives it five out of five perfect episodes. Uh, Richard Chopper Cherry Charrington gives it five trailer loads of walkers out of five. What an episode! Had it all, including Father Gabriel killing the Gary Busey Walker with the news. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Busey does kind of look like a walker uh, these days. <laughs> it's true. Uh, great to see Morgan in this episode. I can't wait for Series 6. And, of course, Fear the Walking Dead, which I hope you guys do a podcast for. Don't worry, we will. Uh, thanks, guys, for a great podcast again during the series. Well, thank you for listening, Richard Chopper, Cherry Charrington. And Jimmy Tucker gives it a 4.75. How the Harvest Gets Home out of 5. 
uh, great episode, the Morgan, the Daryl, the Aaron and Daryl, uh, the main story were great. I thought there were a few problems with Glenn's story and I'm definitely ready for Gabriel to go. And like I said, if you would like to let us know what you feel about The Walking Dead, you're welcome to do so and discuss the show with a bunch of other people. Um, there, there are a lot of good, um, we have a lot of good articles on the site, including uh, about the ratings of the show, some speculation as to who could be playing a villain we might be seeing coming up on the show, uh, some stuff about the spinoff show. It's all there on the Facebook group. It's The Walking Dead Podcast, uh, The Walking Dead TV Podcast Facebook group. Join us. Thank you. Very, very cool. So, before we close things out, do you have anything else to say about uh, the season finale? Or should we save it for a season recap show later on down the road? Definitely uh, stay tuned for a season recap show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you, if you really need a good a zombie fix, but uh, with a little bit lighter touch, I definitely recommend iZombie. It's, it's a solid show. It really is. Yeah, I still haven't gotten a chance to sit down and watch the first two episodes, but I, I hear good things, mostly from you guys, and, and from others as well. But And I, I do plan on watching it eventually. So that's it for this week and for this season. But you can leave us a voicemail letting us know what you thought about this uh, half season at 972-798-3830. That's 972-798-3830. Or send us an email, wdtv at hhwlod.com. And, of course, check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows like we talked about earlier. You can follow us on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network. Aaron is at Aaron's PS4. Rich, what's your uh, Twitter? Chubtoad01. Uh, Jim is at Yoda Jones, and I'm at Jordan FRM Jersey. And so until there's no more room left in hell on the dead walk of the earth, remember, be still. Just be still. Have a good week, everybody. There's nothing to talk about for next week, so Jerry, you don't have to worry about spoilers. Well, I did want to have kind of a, a not so much a spoiler section, but talk about some things that could be spoilerish. Okay, so let's make a clean break right here. And uh, anybody who d- doesn't want to hear any spoilers, uh, well, you have a good week. And anybody who doesn't mind hearing some minorly, maybe, spoilery stuff, um, stick around. All right, Chubb, let's go right ahead. Well, this is mostly a, a comic thing, but there was an article, and I posted it to the Facebook group about, you know, potential actors to play Negan if he shows mm-hmm. up. Um, I don't know, did you see that? I saw the article, I did not yeah. read it. Okay, well, I mean, and there were some good suggestions there. Uh, Patrick Warburton seems to be one of the popular ones, although I don't know if I could take Negan seriously when I hear Putty's voice in the tick. But, uh, and, well, and Joe from Family Guy and many, many other characters. Right. I think he's a little bit too prolific. And it was saying John Hamm wa- wants the role, and, and Kirkman's not opposed to it, but Kirkman also has expressed interest in Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, could work. But I like both I of those. Think, I think could work, but, um, you know, what are, what, are, what are your ideas, you two? What are your thoughts on who you would like to see play Negan? Well, I'd already said I'd love to see um, Joey from Friends, who's the actor. I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head. Matt but LeBlanc. I'd love to see, Matt LeBlanc. I'd love to see him take this dark, serious, still comical in a sense, but very evil tone. I'd, I'd, I think he could pull it off, and I think it'd be a cool change to see him in that role. Plus, I think he's got the body type for it um, these days. Yeah. So, Jim? Uh, Michael Cena. Maybe. I and I, I said this in Michael the, we Sarah, had a good, I'm sorry. Oh, oh I was like, Do you mean John Cena? No, Michael Sarah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Michael Sarah playing Negan? Yeah, Michael Sarah's Negan. Just like a really neurotic, uh self obsessed kind of uh, self deprecating Negan. 
I could kind of see that after him playing a alternate version of himself in that end of the world or whatever it was movie they did. I actually, on the discussion that we had on the Facebook group today, I would like to see them gender swap the role and have Lucy Lawless play Negan. Huh. I'm all for, more, only... I'm all for more, more Lucy Lawless. So. Yep. The only reason why I would say that might not be an option is just the sexual politics of some of the things Negan does. Gender swapped would be exceptionally bizarre. Um, Maybe, yeah, but I, I don't think that they can go full force on the TV show with the way Negan is in the comics, so... I think aside from the language, they really can. I think Walking Dead's done a lot of that yeah, stuff maybe. before in smaller quantities. And, and it's it's not to say I don't think... I'd like to be clear, for anyone who has read the comics, I'm not saying I don't think a woman could do the things Negan does, you know, an evil female character. I just think in terms of what is likely to play well on TV, that wouldn't work so well, and would also make some of those scenes, unless they gender-swapped a ton of characters because they gender-swapped her, I don't see that working. Like, it would just... I, I don't see a lot of people reacting well to that as well. What's, what's really a shame is that uh, it can't be Michael Rooker. Yeah, he... Oh, he, he would have been He would have really been an awesome Negan, you know? Yeah, I agree. Maybe like a Michael Chiklis or something. Hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of good options, but... If Vincent uh, D'Onofrio wasn't on um, Daredevil, he'd be a good Negan. Ooh, so he's yeah. Got that, he's got that good, imposing, yeah. you know, voice and, and presence, definitely. Yeah, but I'd want somebody a little bit more boisterous. And I think of him as more reserved. Although, I mean, he's an actor. I'm sure he has more of a range than I'm giving him credit for it. But there's a certain over-the-topness to Negan mm. that they need somebody with a lot of just colder personality. Do you, do you think that the show's going to do fan service to those of us that are comic readers and want to see Negan? Or are we going to see him next season, you think? I think it's going to be at least a season before we see him, if not longer. I would say the earliest I can imagine seeing him, and granted, this all depends on what we see the next season. Like, maybe they just start working their way through plot lines really quickly. But I wouldn't expect to see him until maybe next year's season finale at the very earliest. I would expect to hear mentions of him earlier than that. But I don't expect to see him for a while. Of course, I'm looking forward to if they introduce Ezekiel, because I think that would be awesome. Oh, Ezekiel, Jesus, there's a ton of good characters coming down the road, you know. And and I'd say cast Morgan Freeman as Ezekiel. Not Morgan Freeman. I meant um, um, Sam Jackson. No, I'd say for, for Ezekiel, you got to go with, uh, uh, oh, crap, I'm forgetting his name, the voice of Hulu. Keith David? No, 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 it's not Keith David. He played, um, who was the lead character in the Telltale Walking Dead video game season one? Dave Fenoy. Dave Fenoy as Ezekiel. I don't know him. So Google Dave I'll, Fenoy. Yeah, I'll look. And you will. He not only has the perfect voice, he also has the perfect look, and is a great actor. What about Idris Elba? Uh, I am really dodgy on Idris Elba's American accents. Like, really, I I think he's a fantastic actor. Most of the time when he's doing the American accent, of which I've heard many different varieties from him, I don't buy it in the slightest. Who says in the comics that he's got an American, that he doesn't have an accent that's not American? Um, I'm pretty what? sure he was from, like, Detroit or something, wasn't he? I'm pretty sure we do know where he was from originally. Yeah, yeah I, I don't remember right offhand. I need to go do some rereading. 
But there's a lot of characters coming down the pike and a lot of cool stories. I don't think we've spoiled anything. We can probably leave this intact. I might cut it up a little bit in editing. We'll see. Uh, But listeners, if you're hearing it, trust me, it's not really that much of a spoiler. Aside from the fact that, hey, guess what? As the show goes along, there will be more characters, and some of them have names, and some of them have body types, and uh, do crazy things, both good and evil. Thank you, (laughs) Captain Obvious. You haven't really been spoiled on anything if you chose to listen and you have not read the comics. But uh, we can't wait to talk about the show more in the future. And uh, But until then, have a good one, everybody. Bye. One record. I am now recording. And that's about nine it's seconds. Happening. All right. Okay. Oh, so did yeah. you read the news, Chip Toad, Hawk Girl, and Rip Hunter? Yes. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Yes. Do they have their own show? Is that the idea? There's going to be a new uh, CW uh, show based in the DC universe that Arrow and Flash are in. And mm-hmm. they haven't quite said what it's going to be, but they've been gathering up characters to be in it. And so far, they've got the Atom. And uh, Captain Cold and Heatwave Rogues from the Flash show, and Black Canary, and now they've added Hawk Girl and Rip Hunter. Is that is that a mix of villains and heroes? Or? Yeah, yeah, it is. Like I said, they really haven't uh, explained. I mean, it could end up being like a showcase show where they rotate, you know, and, and spotlight different uh, heroes in that universe, or it could be like their version of the J- Justice League. Or I mean, there's a lot of things. That it's going to be a DC based so. Hollywood Squares. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg hey, as nice. her character. <laughs> <Frankie>. <laughs> Captain Cold isn't really a villain. Captain Cold's just misunderstood. So I'm a big fan of the new Flash show. Jim, you've got uh, the Facebook. I'm assuming it's normal. Rich, you, I believe you posted the article, the link to the um, the numbers, right, for this episode. Can you cover that? Um, Yeah. And Aaron, since you wrote up an article on the spinoff trailer, all 11 seconds of it, can you talk about that for a couple minutes? Yeah, I'll give it a good 22 seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he says will be longer than the trailer. I mean, it was. I, I wish they had said, did they announce it as a teaser trailer? Because I heard the first yes. trailer will premiere, and I was like... Well, it is yeah. the first trailer, it's just that's the type yeah. of trailer it is. Semantics. It was lame. I mean, it was it was fine oh. for a teaser. It's a teaser. You know. It does exactly what a teaser does. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what same with the other teasers for the other AMC shows that happened last night. There were a bunch of eleven second teasers. Yeah. So. Uh, so the Walking Dead certainly knows it's popular. By the way, they had all kinds of big trailers and the stuff. Halo on ones were really cool. Episode. Yeah, the Halos. They got some uh, Terminator stuff in. They got Polter some. Guys. Um, they just that there's a bunch of just trailers for just things that are popular because everyone's watching this. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, anything else before we get into the meat and potatoes? There's meat and uh, potatoes. Is there anything? I thought there was it's just cor- Carol's casserole. Well, technically it's corned beef hash, but I'm I'm counting the the actual uh, ingredients separately. Is is there anything news wise to tell besides like the I guess the Fear of the Walking Dead is probably the biggest thing. So. Fear of the Walking Dead, the numbers, and. I mean, we haven't talked the show in general. I be we have beyond like the trailer. We haven't talked the fact that it has a title <laughs> since we got that mid last week. So. We t- we talked about the title last week and the basic premise, didn't we? No. Yeah, we, I'm did, we, sure we didn't we have didn't. A, we didn't have a title last week. 
I don't think we talked about the title. We didn't no, have a title until like, yeah. midway yeah. through last week. Yeah. Okay, it, so we it talked wasn't about the announced last week. We talked so. about the premise. Yes. We did talk about the premise. Okay. Yeah, but the, it didn't have a title until like Wednesday or something. Like I, that. I misunderstood your original comment. Comment as we haven't talked about it beyond the title, and I was like, No, no yeah, I know yeah, we've yeah, talked yeah, about yeah. all that stuff. Okay. All righty. Ten point four million. What did I say? You just said ten point four. I'd like oh. to make it clear that we're not talking about ten people and a part of a person. Oh, so, so, right. so it wasn't just us four, six other guys that listen to this podcast, and then like, <laughs> half, a, and then like half a person. <laughs> and one of the torsos inside of the tractor trailer in the episode. Yeah. Well, I said 15.8 million, of which 10.4, so it already, you know, I mean, come on. Math is hard. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm trying that new uh, core curriculum crap. I'm more of a sorry guy as opposed to Monopoly. It's not as, yeah. not as long as the I game. mean, of course, if they can collect four houses, then they can get a hotel. There you go. Yeah. Uh, chapter two, go to jail. Go directly to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That was the only Monopoly reference I could think of. I'd be curious. This is kind of all topic, but I'd be curious to know how many bullets Daryl has fired in the course of the entire show versus how many crossbow bolts he's fired. Just, I, I'd be interested in what the ratio is. But Daryl's a yeah. I, I, I think, I think the the use of weapons in general he's had that aren't guns is impressive by any means. I mean, he he's, he's becomes Ghost Rider in this episode. Yes, he and, does. And he killed a tank last season. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Daryl's pretty resourceful. And that Ghost Rider move is the zombie kill of the week for me. <laughs> There's a couple pretty cool. Ones That's a good episode. one. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> Now, are you calling them Del and Arno because of the canned goods? Yep, exactly. Okay, okay. <laughs> and yeah. because they need names, and I'm not calling them man and other man. This is not lost. <laughs> Call them Wolf 1 and Wolf 2 or something. Um, I was calling them Romulus and Remus. Yeah. <laughs> Rosenzom and Gildenzombie. Daryl, Rick, or Daryl, Morgan, and Aaron, they got back, you know, that night. So, I mean, it wasn't too hard. That's a good point, too, yeah. But they were um, driving. I mean, I don't know what the wolves do. Maybe they got a wolf mobile. Which, I mean, if they're amassing so many supplies, they very well could have some kind of vehicle if they have, like, a home base, you know, the the wolf cave. And, and they, um, they, they at least have access to some electrical power because of that trap they rigged up. I really like how little we know. Like, there's so many questions about these guys. I like the number of toys I've created of the wolves in my mind. The wolf mobile, the wolf cave, Lego wolf mans. Like, the wolf mobile has to be that they found the van from Dumb and Dumber. That Jeff Daniels drove and have spray painted Wolfmobile on the side, or it's like Teen Wolf, and one of them, one of them, one of them drives the other surfs on top of it. Or if they found a helicopter, they could be Airwolf. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> what if that's like a mid-season finale next season, where like they're dealing with stuff, and then like a, a chopper comes in, and Rick's like, "Now what?" And then cut the cut the cut the credits. Zombie Jen Michael Vincent behind the stick. Get to the chopper. Good pronunciation of rant, because last the first few times I heard you say it, I thought you said Rand, and I was like, I don't know what Rand Hollywood, who's Rand, but Rant <laughs> makes more sense. Okay. Rand McNally. <laughs> Rand McNally, yes. exactly. It's, it's, it's your map of Hollywood. Yep. Maybe that's what the um, the noose was supposed to be a reference to. Hmm, maybe. I know he's, re- <laughs> he's referencing the old, the old Kung Fu show, because he used to, you know, David Carradine's whole line, I don't want any trouble, I don't want any trouble, and then he would kick everyone's ass with a staff. So. Yes, and I'm referencing David Carradine's death by autoerotic asphyxiation. Yes, I know. <laughs> you, you like to keep it classy, just like Jeb Oh, yes, yep. of course. 